Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. In a world entrenched in darkness, desperately seeking hope and security, a coalition of nations invoke a highly classified program commissioned by their ancestors generations ago for such a time when all else has failed. They called for but one man to light the flame, to carry the torch, which is really a guitar, ready to blast the battle cry. Behold, the time has come for Rock and Roll. Just call me Heisenkinch or Kinchenberg. <laughs> you like the new goatee? Does it make you think of Breaking Bad in a way? You should see me with the hat. I've got the glasses, put the goatee on, and, you know, something new. We're just doing something new. But when I have the hat, it is dangerous, folks. It is dangerous. <laughs> no, it's just a new look, something new, something different. Uh, we were on TV the other night uh, doing some reporting, and I just, uh, I, I had people tweeting me, you know, wow, it, you know, it's different. It is different. But still me, same old Dave, sorry to disappoint if it's a disappointment. And happy to thrill if it's a thrill that I'm the same Dave. Probably more of a disappointment than anything else, but that's okay. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, do you like that, by the way, that my attempt at The Godfather, my attempt at Silvio uh, from The Sopranos doing The Godfather? You know, and this there is a rock and roll reference to this. Obviously, Stephen Van Zandt, E Street Band, Bruce Springsteen, and, and uh, you know, he, he was Silvio Dante on The Sopranos. We all know that, of course. Well, I had, did I talk about the time I had, I interviewed him like two years ago at the Hard Rock uh, Resort in Atlantic City, and I, I asked him to do a little bit of Silvio, and he, he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't do it, <laughs> you know, but but that's my attempt right there. Oh boy, you know, we got all kinds of things going on here on the show, ladies and gentlemen. Anton Fig, the famed drummer from David Letterman's uh, band during the, the reign of the Late Show with David Letterman on CBS, and also the fill-in drummer for Kiss when he, he was on... Uh, Unmasked, but even before that, uh, he was on Dynasty. Anton Fig will be with us this week on the podcast. We are scheduled to interview him this week. We will have that interview up later in the uh, week, going towards the weekend. Really excited about that. I'm, as you know, I'm a huge Kiss. We're we're all big like rock and roll fans, classic rock fans in general. But I personally am a huge Kiss fan, you know, and. Uh, uh, I was just listening to the Paul Stanley interview that uh, I did before that. I said, you know, I still get goosebumps. Like, did that really happen? Did we inter really interview the Star Child? It was amazing. So anyway, Anton Fig will be on the program. We will talk about his career uh, working with Kiss, not just Kiss, though. Uh, Freely's Comet, you know, working with Ace Frehley. Uh, so many things that he's done. Other artists that he's worked with, too. Even a jam, he tweeted out this old uh, clip of him playing guitar, uh, well, he was playing drums backing up, backing up Eric Clapton, how cool, on, I think it was The Late Show, so I, I must, I just, I have so many questions about what it's like to be, uh, you know, I, I have to say I was in the same room uh, as Questlove at one point, uh, he came by work one day, and I had all these questions for him, what it was like being in the, and they played with Ace Frehley too, you know, The Roots did, uh, on, uh, on the, they played with everybody, you know, um, 
they're a great house band. They're not they're not the E Street band though, but but they're they're a great house band. And so anyway, I've always had this question about what is it like for a late show musician in a band to all of a sudden just play with all these musicians and I mean you could write a book. You could you know, you could totally write a book being in a band, a late show band playing, you know, just kind of that chemistry playing with Paul Schaefer in this particular case with Anton Fig, but all of the other great musicians that they that you jam with over the years and their guests on the show and how much of that is rehearsed how much of that is just pick up the guitar hey there's so and so Eric Clapton coming over and jamming so never got a chance to ask uh, Questlove that but uh, I will hopefully ask um, Anton Fig definitely ask Anton Fig about all of that really excited to talk with him I'm a huge fan of his of course um, and uh, yeah <laughs> so this is this is really exciting stuff this is I, I'm just so so looking forward to this uh, the New York groove. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, okay, the Ace Frehley um, pun there. So we've, there's so much going on here on the program. We talked to Martin Page. We'll have a little bit more of the Martin Page interview. Great interview that we did with him over the weekend. Um, a collaborator with Bernie Taupin and Hart at, wrote songs for Hart and uh, Starship. We built the city, so we're going to uh, have a little bit more of an excerpt of that a little bit later in the show. And then, of course, we're going to talk about Black Sabbath. And uh, you know, we said we were going to talk about the the remaining non Ozzy Osbourne albums. Uh, we were going to do that on Friday, push that off to today. So we'll get to that in the uh, the second segment. There really isn't a main segment because there's so much we're talking about here uh, today. So we're going to get it all in for you. Uh, God, I, I'm looking at this list. I put more stuff on here than I thought I would. That's okay, though. How about this? Um, there's rock and roll in the Trump administration. Can you believe this? Now, well, we talked about Jay Sekulow, Trump's attorney. We're not getting into politics. Don't worry. We're not getting into politics. But my point is we've talked about how Jay Sekulow, is, uh, who's Trump's attorney on the Russia investigation, you know, he's in a band. He has a He's a drummer in a band, played at one point with the former singer of Kansas. But the rock and roll in, in this administration doesn't end there. Okay. Are you ready for this? The Trump administration, the Justice Department, is backing up Led Zeppelin in the Stairway to Heaven court case. Oh yeah, we got it right here. NBC News reporting this one. Okay. Uh, Washington, the Trump administration is coming to the defense of Led Zeppelin in a copyright dispute over the opening passage from one of rock's best known anthems, Stairway to Heaven. Uh, a melody and chorus sequence that nearly every aspiring guitarist tries to master. Well, I'm still working on that myself. The Justice Department filed a friend of the court brief late Thursday supporting Led Zeppelin against a claim that it stole the musical passage from an earlier reporting Taurus by Spirit. The legal battle of the band's uh, the legal battle of the bands has played out in federal court in California over the past five years. It's been a long time. It's hard to believe that it's been so long, but it has. Uh, trustees for the songwriter of Taurus, Randy Wolf, of course, who called himself Randy California, has since died, accused Led Zeppelin of violating his copyright by appropriating a, quote, the, quote, distinct plucked guitar line and melody. The case went to a jury, which ruled for Led Zeppelin in 2016. So we've talked about this before. Um, at the trial, the jury heard from a member of Spirit Led Zeppelin musicians, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant, and musical experts. But jurors have, ne have never heard the actual recording of either song in court. The judge ruled that because Taurus was written in 1967, it fell under an older version of federal copyright law, which protected only the sheet music for the song, not the sound recording. So there's an interesting dynamic of 
how you can get critical distinctions there. Um, a three-judge panel of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ordered the case sent back for another trial ruling that the jury should have heard the recording to demonstrate that Led Zeppelin had access to Taurus. But in June, the full Ninth Circuit said it would hear the appeal again. So in its brief filed Thursday, the Justice Department uh, said the trial judge got, got it right when he ruled that the only work subject to copyright protection was the sheet music because the song was written before Congress changed the law in 1972, which gave protection to sound recordings. Um, the similar sounding qualities of the two passages consisting of an A minor chord and descending bass line in a chromatic scale deserve protection only if they are virtually identical, the government said, and under that test, the brief said Led Zeppelin should prevail. A victory for spirit would rewrite a chapter of music history involving bragging rights to one of rock's most famous guitar passages. Stairway to Heaven is number 31 on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Only 31? I thought it was, it should be higher up. Um, the appeals court will hear the case in September. So that's that there. I uh, had to get that in. The Trump administration joining, by the way, hundreds, uh, more than 100 artists. There were like 123 famous artists, mostly rock stars, also uh, backing Led Zeppelin in this case, too, because uh, this could have detrimental impact in terms of precedent for other artists out there, too. That's not the first song that is said to sound like other songs out there, too. So, you know, you, you get the whole idea on where this could go. Um, we've got some other news as well. Oh, did you see this? So, you know, we've talked a lot about Judas Priest on this show. Did you see Richie Faulkner on Twitter was complimenting K.K. Downing on his recent Bloodstock performance? Apparently a fan, Blabbermouth has this, a fan or a, a supporter of Richie Faulkner tweeted at Richie asking if Richie saw K.K. Downing's performance and he complimented K.K. Downing. So um, this is Blabbermouth's article. Richie Faulkner says the K.K. Downing quote looked and sounded great when he returned to the live stage earlier this month as a special guest of X Man of War Axeman Ross X Axeman. I like that X Man of War Axeman Ross the Boss Friedman Downing's August 11th appearance, which you know he talked about. We had the exclusive with KK Downing, what we believe to be his final interview before that show, previewing that show. So that that made the rounds also in Blabbermouth and everywhere else. Um, Downing's August 11th appearance at the Bloodstock Open Air Festival at uh, Cotton Park, Derbyshire, United Kingdom marked KK's first public appearance since October 17th, 2009, when Judas Priest played the final British Steel 30th anniversary date on the Nostradamus World Tour uh, at Japan's Loud Park Festival in, of course, Japan. Asked by a fan on Twitter if he's seen video footage of Downing's latest performance, Faulkner responded, quote, Yeah, I thought he looked great. Looked and sounded great. Good to see the man up on stage where he belongs again. Last September, Downing said he felt like he was being cloned when he first found out he was being replaced by Faulkner. Of course, they're both blonde men, long blonde hair and everything. Uh, this goes into the backstory. We don't need to go into the backstory. We've covered it extensively on the program. Oh, oh by the way, uh, the Foo Fighters should apparently have a new album coming out in 2020. This one uh, was on... I think we found this from our friends over at Loudwire. Um, Slipknot may have the number one album right now, but the last um, hard rock act to top the chart was the Foo Fighters back in 2017 with Concrete and Gold. The Foos have had a great track record of successful albums, so perhaps we'll see them back on the top next year as drummer Taylor Hawkins uh, says they should have a new album in 2020. Quote, from what I've heard, 
from our fearless leader, Dave Grohl. He has a lot of demos that he's worked on. Hawkins told Rock Sound this past weekend, quote, I think we'll start once this tour is over. Uh, this little UK-ish run, I think not too soon after that, we'll start the process of putting the songs together as a band. So pretty cool stuff there. All right, so uh, some rock and roll news. We'll have a little bit more after this brief um, uh, interlude. By the way, Martin Page, We again, we talked about him on the show. He was on the show. And uh, one of the things that really stood out was his collaborations in songwriting and uh, the work with Bernie Taupin, writing for Heart, These Dreams, for Heart and, of course, uh, Starship's We Built This City. Here's more of him talking about that collaboration with the legendary lyricist Bernie Taupin. Is it different when you write for yourself versus, say, writing for, uh, you know, I think it was Earth, Wind and Fire or um, uh, Heart or, of course, um, uh, you know, Starship? I mean, what what's it like? Did, did the approach change? Yeah, yeah, I... I um... Yes, it does. I mean, my, my first prime years in Los Angeles were, was collaborating. I came across in the 80s with uh, my own little band called Q-Feel, and I had a partner called Brian Fairweather, and we were we were, we hit LA at the right time when music was really changing in America, and we were the we were a synthesizer band. So, a lot of the artists at that time wanted to collaborate with this new sound. So I found myself um, very quickly in studios with people that I um, idolized, you know, from afar. I was suddenly with Murray White of Earth, Wind Fire, with the Commodores, um, and then writing with Bernie Taupin, and I'd been a huge Alton John fan. So, yeah, it, my, my apprenticeship was working with other people. That, that really was my apprenticeship, which was a great apprenticeship, because you're forced into rooms with people, so it comes down to relationships, character, how, how to communicate, how to feel. Some other news before we get into the Black Sabbath continued discussion of the best non-Aussie records. Really, I like pretty much all of... There's not much Black Sabbath I don't like. Um, don't get it wrong. We love the Aussie stuff, but we're going to get... We did, We talked about the 80s material with Glenn Hughes and, and uh, you know, uh, Tony Martin, obviously... Uh, Ian Gillen and, and, and company. So we are going into the 90s now, starting with Tyre. Before we do that, some other rock and roll news. Neil Young uh, has announced that his new album, first new album with Crazy Horse since 2012's Psychedelic Pill will arrive in October. It's called Colorado. This is from Ultimate Classic Rock. The lead track was called Rainbow of Colors. It's a total of 10 new songs. Um, they range in length from 3 minutes to 13 minutes. There's a documentary about the LP's creation titled Mount Top Sessions that will be released alongside it. And, of course, speaking of rock and roll, Heartland Rock and Movies, Bruce Springsteen has, uh, you know about Western Stars, the new album, we've talked about that. Well, Bruce Springsteen fans will also get a look at uh, the performance of those songs in, in the movie uh, Western Stars. It's coming out in October. And uh, there's no specific date, uh, but he basically what he did was uh, perform, he performed these songs live and you'll see it in a new movie uh, no date for the film just yet but uh, Springsteen makes his directorial debut alongside his collaborator uh, Tom Zimney I believe is how you say his name uh, prior to its general release Western Stars will have uh, its world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival uh, from September 5th to September 15th again this is from, from Ultimate Classic Rock there 
the uh, trailer is up on their website. It's up online, too, so you can check out that trailer. It's pretty cool. All right, so Sabbath, Sabbath, Sabbath. Now, we've talked about this, and I've always wondered if Led Zeppelin had continued on. So two of the greatest bands to found heavy metal. I mean, now we think of Led Zeppelin as classic hard rock, and we think of... Um, you know, we think of uh, Deep Purple doesn't really get enough credit in there, although they should. But we think of Led Zeppelin. We think of uh, Black Sabbath, you know, and those two. Remember that documentary, Heavy, the Story of Metal? Do you do you remember that when VH1 went total metal? This was way back, like 2005. They did. It, it was, you know, like VH1 was doing all this you know, rock of love and all this other stuff that just was way out there. Flavor of love or whatever those shows were. And then all of a sudden they did. This, they, they focused on metal. They did the, the VH1 Icon series where they honored a great artist in hard rock, heavy metal. Um, Kiss performed there, I, I remember. It was, they, it was like an annual thing they did. I think for, it was about three years. Well, anyway, um, they, around that same time, I think it was around that same time, they did a piece called Heavy, the Story of Metal. And it was a, uh, Matt Pinfield. If I, I got to remember this. I'm pretty sure he did this. Uh, he narrated. Yeah, he did. Uh, heavy the story. My memory doesn't fail me, folks. Of metal. And we're just, uh, Matt Penfield. Yes, yes, he hosted it. This, uh, he hosted this whole thing. So, anyway, they, it was Scott Ian, uh, from Anthrax who basically said there were two templates. It was, you know, that Zeppelin created what was essentially the hard rock template and then Black Sabbath went on to create what was essentially the heavy metal template but that at the time hard rock and heavy metal were synonymous they were known as the same thing which is true and they talk about like the first recorded version the you know uh, first song where uh, heavy metal was uh, was stated as a, as a word, the first music critic who wrote the term heavy metal and how it all started. It's, it's an awesome documentary, by the way. And they talk about Judas Priest, they talk about Black Sabbath, obviously, all these great, great bands. And they interview like Dave Mustaine's in there, and, and uh, I, I want to say that Zach Wilde's in there, it would totally make sense. Scott Ian, obviously, as we said. So, uh, th we... I say all this to, to go back to the fact that, you know, nowadays we have these two templates of, you know, hard rock, the greatest pioneers, Led Zeppelin, heavy metal, the greatest pioneers, Black Sabbath. But as we know, Led Zeppelin stopped around 1980 when John Bonham died. And Robert Plant famously said it would be in poor taste, would have been in poor taste to continue the band through the 80s. Robert Plant did his solo stuff produced by Phil Collins, Phil Collins drumming and all of that. But I've always wondered what would have happened if Led Zeppelin continued on in the 80s in some form. What would happen? You know, uh, Black Sabbath did that even though a bunch of people left the band and it was, you know, no one really at that point died, uh, thankfully, around that time. But you had, you know, Ozzy left the band and Dio came in, the Dio left, Ian Gill and all these other people, different bass players, Geezer left and, and everything. So the question is, would, you know, first of all, did Black Sabbath damage their, um, their reputation by doing that? I don't think so. I like the ex-Ozzy stuff. 
It's different. I really like it. But some people disagree. You know, some people don't even acknowledge that stuff as, as Black Sabbath. Uh, and it wasn't supposed to be Black Sabbath, really. Tony Iommi has said many times that it was the record company that forced the band and management that forced the band to use the name Black Sabbath, that he didn't want to do it. Even when talking with Ronnie James Dio after Ozzy left, they talked about doing a different project. And then Geezer left, and then Geezer came back. It was a whole different thing. But it's become known eternally as Black Sabbath. The Eternal Idols, right? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, we talked about Eternal Idol, that album. So we go from, you know, we talked about probably my favorite of that era. Oh, it's hard to pick. I have so many favorites. I can't pick one. What am I, who am I kidding? Who am I fooling? Headless Cross, we talked about 89. Um, that is such a fluid. I would say it's the most fluid and consistent uh, non ozzy record, I think. The sound is very similar. Um, I like the production for that era. Some might say it's overproduced, but I really like it. Well, in 1990, uh, they came back with Tyre from IRS Records. Uh, Tyre, T-Y-R, like the Battle of Tyre. Uh, 15th studio album by uh, Black Sabbath in 1990, it was released. And, uh, you know, the, the album, it's written here, um, and this is a, kind of a background article. Some of it's Wikipedia. You know, I, full disclosure, some of the stuff on Wikipedia is pretty good, and you can source it, and I always do that. I check it, check the sources, because it's like, it, it's the only place you're going to find a full review on specific albums, in most cases, you know. At the same time, you've got to make sure you check certain things, and, and, you know, the guys at Loudwire even did this contest, you know, uh, Wikipedia or Fiction, something like that, where they bring in artists, like Ace Fraley, and, you know, okay, hey, Wikipedia says this, is it true? This is true. Is that true? No, that's not true. So, so we always, we're not, we, we are, we look for all kinds of thorough information and we, we check as much as we can, just so you know, but, um, it's, in this case, it says here, Norse mythology is a big part of Tyre and that's pretty obvious. You know, you can tell, um, but, uh, you know, the idea here is that Tyre is the God of, of single combat and, uh, heroic glory, uh, and the son of Odin. Now I, 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 I actually kind of like that kind of stuff, but I missed that part of mythology in school. We studied the basic Greek mythology, but there's there's probably some really cool inspirational ideas for songs and this kind of stuff. So the album here, and you know, you go to the lineup, and you you still have a newer version of the band, Cozy Powell on drums, and the power in the drumming is clear in the production too, because he also Cozy Powell uh, was involved in the production of this record. He was involved in the production of Headless Cross as well. He was listed as a co-producer, so it makes perfect sense for Cozy Powell to still have a great uh, hand uh, at the hammer. No, not Cozy Powell's hammer, his side group, but the it makes perfect sense to have. You know, he's one of the the biggest drummers in the world, White Snake, Rainbow, you know, all these great bands. And he has a power and edge that is unrivaled, I think, for what metal really needed at that time. Um, although there were other great, powerful drummers like Eric Carr and others, but, but Cozy Powell, you know, delivered that to Sabbath and really helped Sabbath come back with their edge. Neil Murray on bass, Jeff Nichols on keyboards. You remember he played keyboards going back to Heaven and Hell, but he was later made an official member of the band because they had to, in the words of Tony Iommi, build up some of the credibility um, that the band lost with the changes in lineup and things like that. So the quote here is from Tony Iommi uh, writing in his, in his book, uh, Iron Man, quote, for our next album, Tire, we went back to the Woodcray Studios in February 1990 with me and Cozy producing it again on Headless Cross. Tony Martin 
and the singer had just come into the band and he assumed, oh, Black Sabbath, it's all about the devil. So his lyrics were full of devil and Satan, which is true on Headless Cross, which is, it's it's like, it's a little bit too much. It's almost like Tony Martin's a great singer, but the it just felt like, come on, I mean, Devil and Daughter, the song, great song, but just too much. It was just stuck in everywhere, you know, a bit too much in my opinion, but otherwise musically superior. Um, it was too much in your face, Tony says, so I guess he agrees here. Uh, we told him to be a bit more subtle about it, which, which is funny. I'm reading this quote for the first time, honestly, so that's why I'm saying that, that it. I, I, he, he's saying what I noticed. Uh, uh, told, him, told him to be more subtle about it, so for Tyre, he did all these lyrics about Nordic gods and whatnot. It took me a while to get my head around that. Well, okay, well, a different idea. Uh, they have one song on there, feels good to me which is very radio friendly and apparently um there was some regret over uh, having that song on there um you know uh, because it, it just it sounded like they were really going just for a radio track musically it doesn't really fit it's it's very different um i like this record i don't i mean to me headless cross just is a little bit more consistent musically uh jerusalem's a great song and um uh, the Lawmaker is pretty solid too. The opening track is is uh, probably uh, the one that just really kicks in and, and it just kind of rips your face off when it really kicks in there. Um, but it's worth a listen. It's worth a listen. Uh, now, we go back to Dehumanizer. This is the, we talked about this, the classic Dio era of Sabbath. Well, minus Bill Ward coming back together and working on, it, this is another album I've got to put back into rotation. I haven't heard this one in a while. Computer God, I, TV Crimes, which was on the, the soundtrack, uh, the uh, Wayne's World soundtrack, which was different, but that was on the soundtrack there. Masters in, of Insanity. Uh... This was the, the, the lineup here, Dio, Vinny Appice, Butler, Geezer Butler, and Tony Iommi uh, had come back for this group. And it was interesting because this was such a lineup that just didn't, you remember the, the, they broke up over the, the mixing, in part the mixing of Live Evil, the Black Sabbath live album, the accusation that Dio was coming in and mixing up the vocals over a guitar, you know, all of that stuff that happened. And, and so they come back and they do Dehumanizer and, uh, it's just absolutely spectacular. Hello, friends. Thank you so much for checking out this program. If you want to know more about this show or your host, you can check out DaveKinchin.com for all of the information. Also, find us on social media, Dave Kinchin USA, on Twitter, on Facebook, Rock of Nations with Dave Kinchin. And for the Dave Kinchin Tonight Public Affairs Program, just search Dave Kinchin Tonight on Facebook. Oh, yeah. The band really brought back their harder edge on this album. And by the way, it was Time Machine from Wayne's World. Time Machine was on the Wayne's World soundtrack there. Not TV Crimes, but TV Crimes was the one of the singles, and they did a video for the song. Now, part of it, uh, Tony Iommi has said essentially that uh, in past interviews that they lost millions of dollars on the record. It was great getting back with uh, the old the old guys in the band Vinny and Ronnie, but they spent millions, you know, with the hustling back and forth to the States and I guess uh, England, you know, 
with equipment, moving equipment around back and forth. They spent a lot of money on it. Unfortunately, while this album was spectacular and still one of my favorites, the band blew up largely, and we talked about this about this before on the last show. Ozzy Osbourne wanted Black Sabbath to essentially close out or support his final shows. It was uh, what looked like a farewell tour, essentially, is what it was called. Uh, I've seen in past write-ups over the years on this. And, uh, of course, Ronnie James Dio said no, that he wouldn't do it, and that led to him leaving the band. By the way, Rob Halford from Judas Priest did those shows uh, with Black Sabbath, and that was really awesome. This old video, you know, uh, from a VHS camera that must have been the size of a bazooka, we always say, or the size of a suitcase at least, filming that. So that's a cool video that's online. We should do a little talk on that or just kind of vi- revisit that because uh, it's rare. There's been a couple times, I think actually two or three times, that Rob Halford filled in for Sabbath, and uh, it was very different, including one uh, song where um, I think it was Children of the Grave where uh, uh, Halford comes in a little too early so uh, Tony goes over and taps him for a minute says hold on a second and then kind of brings him in but it was still really cool it was it was pretty awesome I mean what a, and he, he had uh, Halford's voice he can do anything he can cover anything so he did a great job with that so anyway unfortunately the band falls apart they don't get back together until 2006 they uh, support Black Sabbath the Dio years that compilation album and they do the uh, under the the moniker heaven and hell they do the album the devil you know so they they did get back together I saw that show I was really happy I never saw Dio with with his own band Dio, but I was really happy to see him with uh, with Black Sabbath, which was essentially heaven and hell. That was one of the, you know, again, I talk about how fortunate I've been to see some of these shows as a younger guy to still see some great rock concerts and uh, with critical lineups in place. And, and that was a real wonderful thing uh, to see. Um, the other, so we're going to get back into uh, Tony Martin, who comes back into the fold uh, again, and two good records here, very much more contemporary rock, contemporary hard rock, Cross Purposes, 1994. Um, these albums weren't really huge, you know, and I, I think these albums kind of came out, they were released, there was um, some songs on there, and then, you know, they just kind of moved on. It, it wasn't played widely, certainly not on MTV, and it really wasn't played much on VH1 from what I remember. Um there was uh, so the album Cross Purposes had a, uh, the uh, the tracks uh, Eyewitness Cross of Thorns. Um, the there's one track on here that did have a video to it. It had a little bit of a hard edge to it, then a gentle melodic guitar progression. The hand that rocks the cradle. Uh, it's a good song. It, it really works for Tony's voice. I mean, you had to have some of that. You couldn't have that harder edge of dehumanizer for Tony Martin's voice. You really, I mean, Tony Martin's a great singer. Again, we're trying to get him on the podcast. He's a fantastic singer and somebody who just has a tone that, that needs a little bit more melody in the music, you know, and a softer um, approach, not too soft. It's still black Sabbath, but a softer approach. So, uh, so yeah, Tony Martin comes back into the band. Uh, Bobby Rondinelli comes in, um, former rainbow drummer, and uh, Geezer Butler stayed in in the group too. Uh, there's um, there was Cardinal Sin, a song that uh, was originally intended to be called Sin Cardinal Sin, 
but a printing error apparently on the album sleeve caused the first word to be removed. This is, you know, this is Wikipedia, of course, but still, uh, that seems to be that I did seem to see that somewhere else before. Uh, it's just a solid album, and and I also uh, remember uh, there was a, I was saying okay what song did Eddie Van Halen co-write? Eddie Van Halen came in, uh, was not credited, but co-wrote uh, the song "Evil Eye" with Butler, Iommi, Martin, and Eddie Van Halen. Um, Eddie Van Halen and Tony Iommi have had a unique uh, friendship over the years. They haven't done a whole lot together per se. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if there were some insane demos that they had? to be released. That, that would be pretty cool. Um, Forbidden, uh, we go to 1995 now, and this was pretty much it for uh, Black Sabbath studio records released on a continual basis. Um, and by the way, Tony Iommi is working on, he said he's going to remaster this record. It was produced by Ernie C.F. Body Count, okay, so, and, and Ice-T is actually on this track. <laughs> Something funny, I, 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 I put this thing on Twitter one day. Um, I said there was something that turned out to be true but it was kind of ridiculous i can't remember what it was and i said i said really people are going to believe this next they're going to believe that ice t did a a rap on a black sabbath record and and then he actually uh tweeted at me and saying i did um and i and i said yeah i know it was, it was really cool it was it was kind of a fun thing because people actually found that out and and uh i i actually on facebook linked to way before we had the podcast i linked to um the song the illusion of power with ice t on it and um and that would be a great title track, but they called it Forbidden instead, which is fine. Uh, and, and people said, oh, my God, wow, there, there really was this late collaboration. Uh, so Ernie C. produced it, mixed it, um, and then, uh, as we said, Ice-T's on The Illusion of Power. But Tony Iommi didn't really like the mix and the production of it, so he's remastering the album. So I'm really excited because I like the title track. I like, um, you know... Uh, the other song, I Won't Cry For You, is really good. Rusty Angels is pretty good, too. Guilty As Hell is also uh, on there. And that's that's fairly decent. It's a decent record. Um, 18th Studio Record, June of 95. Uh, Neil Murray uh, and Cozy Powell come back. So this is basically the remainder of the Tire lineup. And uh, Jeff Nichols on keyboards still... Um, so you've got a lot of, uh, you know, the, the critical forces really involved in this. Uh, so yeah, Neil Murray, Cozy Powell, Tony Martin, Tony Iommi, Jeff Nichols in the band. Uh, there's great music on here. You you got you to gotta give this album a listen. I mean, if you like melody and if you like something that's a little bit different, there's nothing wrong with checking any of this stuff out. I, I absolutely... Uh, I recommend it. I mean, it's it's good, solid stuff. Uh, what else can we say about this record? Um, the writing took place at... Um, Bluestone Farm in Wales, uh, and the reception of it, you know, critics didn't really like it much, probably because of the production. One critic said, boring songs, awful production. So again, maybe the album would get a little bit more of its credit that's due with the re-release. Um, Tony Martin uh, said in an interview in July 2011, according to this entry here, Forbidden is, I want to say crap, but it's actually not. He added that uh, he thought the songs worked in rehearsals, but other factors such as rumors of a reunion with the original Black Sabbath lineup and record company wanting to take the album and see what Ice-T wanted to do uh, gave it uh, a gave the album a distinct ill feeling. So he didn't really like the um, 
rap Sabbath aspect here. <laughs> he didn't really, I do remember him, Tony Iommi, I'm sorry, Tony Martin talking about how he wasn't thrilled with the rap aspect that was involved in it. By the way, um, this kind of reminds me of Carnival of Souls, the Kiss album that had the last one with Bruce Kulick and Eric Singer at the time that was really shelved and, and eclipsed because of the Kiss reunion that happened. So you had rumors of a Black Sabbath reunion with Ozzy around the time this album came out. And of course, that did later happen. Reunion came out in 97 and all of that, that record. It does really remind me of the Kiss project, too. So it, it's got to be a terrible thing. You put all that effort into an album. And then it's eclipsed by even talk of a reunion with the classic singer that you replaced. I don't know, folks, rock and roll is a strange place and it's a funny thing. But um, I recommend, I definitely recommend checking out those records. I think you're going to enjoy them. Oh, yeah. Did I say we had a lot to cover or did I say we had a lot to cover? We did. Great show. Great to be back in the mix of the Rock and Roll Week. So glad to have you with us. Hope you had a great weekend. So much more coming up this week. Anton Fig scheduled to be on the podcast. We will be doing that interview midweek and have that up by the end of the week. Excited for that. And we've got one more big guest that we will announce soon. Soon, folks. No drum roll. Don't put the drums away. No, no. Throw the drumsticks away. No, no. no. The producers, you know, we almost had a good show. Producer guy was not acting up today, but nope. Now he's no drum roll. We're not announcing it yet. Okay. We haven't confirmed the date. We, we have a great hit maker, huge hit maker who has agreed to talk with us on the program. Very excited about that. Or his people have agreed to it. Scheduling it. We will just hang in there, folks. Hang in there. You know the name. I'm not going to even get to it yet. And you know the songs he's done. You know some big songs. So we're just, we're getting this just right. We will tell you who that is soon enough. But Anton Fig, later in the week, friends, cheers, rock and roll salutations, and all of those good type things. <laughs>